I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to You, the Best Invention Ever, featuring host Valencia Lyle Saunders, a show dedicated to inspiring you to invent something incredible, your life. Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody today? Happy, happy April, um, let's see, April the 26th. How about that? I'm, I'm still here. I'm in today. Anyway, how's everybody? How have you been since last month? I've been okay. And, you know, it finally looks like spring is trying to spring. And I hope you had a happy Easter. Yeah. Thank goodness here on the East Coast it wasn't horrifying, but it was, you know, not that Easter, you you know, you dreamed about where the bunnies are hopping, but it was nice. It was a nice Easter. Anyway, um, so let's get into today's topic. Now, you guys are going to say, what? But um, when I, when I heard that someone had actually experienced this, this was something I wanted to get into. I wanted to find out what they know and and what they've experienced. And it's UFOs. I know. Isn't that so crazy? Okay. And UFOs are, it's the acronym for Unidentified Flying Objects. Okay? We all know what that means, or most of us. But for those of us who don't, Let me just say I did a little research because, you know, what you think you know, you don't always know. So, uh, unidentified flying objects is a catchphrase that refers to unexplained reports about objects in the sky that exhibit uncharacteristic or unusual features that don't conform to any other aircraft or missile. Okay, that's, that's what I found that is like the formal definition for UFOs. So in our imaginations over generations, we have really um, created this idea about UFOs and what aliens will look like and what they'll do and all that good stuff. So... Um, I want to talk. I want to talk a little more about that. First, I want to, you know, give a little history here. Um, see, in the 1940s, the phrase "flying saucers" got popular um, and gained attention by a citizen pilot named uh, Kenneth Arnold, who reports seeing nine objects um, that were flying in a formation, and they looked like saucers to him. So that's where that came from. Now, there's some early, you know, these sightings go way, way back. Um, in 19, I'm sorry, in 88, here's, uh, and that's way back, folks, way back. Um, 
a local farmer reported seeing large, dark, circle, circular objects that resembled balloons um, going at a really quick speed. And this was recorded in the Denson Daily, a newspaper back then. In 87, a thousand, thousands, not as 1,000, but thousands, reported seeing um, an airship and... Some people reported talking to the pilots, which I was, I was like, okay, how does, well, hmm, interesting. <laughs> but they never, there was never any reports about what the pilots said or, you know, they said to each other. In 1926, um, explorer uh, Nicholas, let's see, Ronich reported members of his expedition saw something big and shiny reflecting off the sun. And they were in uh, Tibet at the time. And um, so that's another report. And governments around the world have officially and unofficially been investigating these UFOs. And I guess they have to be responsible and really try and investigate these things because I guess they want to know what's going on too. And, of course, you know, there have been a ton, a ton of shows, and especially on cable networks, that only focus on UFOs and UFO sightings and, and trying to recreate them, see if they've been hoaxed or if they're real, and showing all kinds of different clips. Um, and this idea to me is, is pretty intriguing as an idea but in, and a theory, but the fact of it is totally freaking me out. <laughs> Totally freaking me out. So, hmm. Anyway, there's a Twilight Zone that I, I that comes to mind, and it's um, aliens come to Earth, and they come here and they just clean up the Earth. They're, they, you know, they cure all our diseases. They fertilize our land. Nobody, there's no famine anymore, and they get cozy and friendly with us. We love them. They love us, and then they invite us to their planet. But the punchline is, is that humans are their food source. Okay, and all these people are just getting on, thinking they're going to go play baseball. <laughs> you're going to see something fabulous, but they're a food source. <laughs> ah, I think that's funny. So, but I'm kind of, you know, the idea that they have it like, you know, that I know of. We'll talk to my my guest here and see, you know, where we're going with that. They. You know, I'm cool with them just, you know, doing a flyover, a drive-by, but not settling in, just like saying, oh, yeah, they're still okay. They're still there, checking on us. But I don't know about, you know, who knows. Anyway, let's get into this. My guest, and he's been on here before, and he's our natural intuitive, Steve Parker. And when Steve and I had a brief talk and he was like, don't tell me anymore because we're doing a show. Steve, are you here? I'm right here. Yes, you are there. Anyway, yes, Steve, where do we begin now? When we spoke, Um, you said that you have witnessed them. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, Well, I'll I'll just say this. Um, I live in the state of New Hampshire, and New Hampshire back in the 60s and early 70s was considered a hotbed of UFO um, activity and UFO sightings, and um, 
I think it really began with um, the first documented, if you can call it that, documented case of uh, of a supposed or alleged alleged UFO abduction, alien abduction, was here in mm. New Hampshire in 1961. The couple, um, it was a couple, um, traveling back to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is over on the coast. Um, mm-hmm. They were on, they had gone on vacation in Canada, and their names were um, Betty and Barney Hill. And um, a little background on them. What's interesting, Betty was a you know native of New Hampshire, um, very much an old Yankee woman. Um, and Barney was, I think, from he might have been from Virginia originally via Philadelphia, but um, they were an interracial couple. And back in mm-hmm. 19, early 60s. Um, New Hampshire was pretty Caucasian back then. <laughs> so yeah, very I can un- imagine. It was very unusual, um, not only that this took place, but that they were uh, an interracial couple, but that may um, give further credence to the fact that they were taken. Um, mm-hmm. Because the um, beings that examined them, um, I'll, I'll tell you more about that in a minute, might have been interested in them also because they weren't, you know, they weren't your run-of-the-mill run, run um, um, Betty Crocker and, and husband or Ozzie and Harriet. So the fact of their um, interracial nature probably did play into it. And uh, Betty was a um, welfare worker. She worked for the Child Protective Services um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and um, I think Barney had some sort of government job um, um, associated with the naval base over there. And there's an, there used to be an Air Force base in that area called Pease, P-E-A-S-E, Pease Air, Air Force Base. Um, anyway, they um, came back from their trip and felt very unsettled and realized that they had a gap of time that was missing from their conscious memory of their journey. And then Betty started having nightmares, and so did Barney, and they talked to each other um, a little bit. Uh, well, not at first. At first she thought she was just you know, having stress of some sort. But she finally, they, well, both of them talked, and they decided to seek psychiatric help because they thought, you know, what, what is wrong with us? You know, we're, we're both under some kind of pressure, and they were remembering very strange things about um, and being taken away. Um, but they didn't know by who or by what at the at the beginning. So they sought the help of um, psychiatric help, and they were f- referred to this Dr. Simon in um, Boston, who, um, and, and at that point, they had started having memories about, you know, partially what happened that night. They were traveling through the White Mountains, um, mm-hmm. and they um, had seen, um, Betty saw a bright light, and she thought, well, that plane is very close to us. So they pulled over on the highway and had their little dog with them, too. And they decided, you know, that the plane was too close. So they, they pulled over on, into a little remote area. Next thing that they remembered was they were getting back in their car. It was two hours later. But it gradually they wow. started remembering separately that they had encountered some people. Or, and then as they, memories became sharper, they realized they weren't human people. Um, oh. So they sought the help of the psychiatrist, thinking, well, are we delusional? What's happening to us? And mm-hmm. hypnosis was suggested that they be regressed, you know, or put under to see what their subconscious would say had actually happened. 
and they were this was done separate, wasn't done together. And up wow. until this point, they hadn't discussed or speculated too much about what had happened. They they kind of thought maybe we they were cracking up. So under mm-hmm. hypnosis, they gave a very detailed account of being taken aboard um, a spacecraft by these um, kind of short, you know, your 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 classic um, little alien people with the little almond-shaped eyes. And mm-hmm. um, while on board, Betty was given an examination which was equivalent to an amniocentesis. And back in 1961, that didn't exist That's in our culture. Right. So she was, they told her telepathically, they communicated through telepathy, and they said that they were examining her to find out why she could not conceive children. They knew that she had um, a problem conceiving. And um, they they wanted to study her. And they took Barney off to a separate section, and they they also studied him. And in studying, of course, what they did was they penetrated through their navels with these devices. So, and of course, they were... Mm -hmm. They were paralyzed, you know, by some sort of force, so they weren't a- were not able to resist. And even if they wanted to panic, they couldn't have, you know, openly you know, fought back. So um, right. while she was with one of the the people who identified himself as the leader of the group, she asked where they came from, and he took her and um, to a, another section and showed her this map of of the solar system of th- this particular mm-hmm. solar system. And mm-hmm. she later, under hypnosis, was able to draw the map in detail. She was able to recreate it. Ten years later, in 1971, um, a female scientist charted the same area of the galaxy. It had not been charted by humans before. And her star map completely replicated the, um, the findings of this woman, who knew of their, wow. of, of their of, um, Betty's um, drawing. I was very fascinated and said Betty's drawing was quite accurate because um, it had, I think it was um, Alpha Centauri was was in there. And um, anyway, um, that was the first supposed you know account of an alien abduction. There was a movie called, uh, there was a book called The Interrupted Journey by John Fuller. Um, it was mm-hmm. in paperback form. Uh, I think it made hardcover too, but in the in the later 60s. And there was a movie starring Estelle Parsons. Um, she played Betty Hill, and um, in, in which you know the account is recreated, and that was made for TV, made for television movie. So that's quite a quite a well known in U, in U, UFO circles. That's quite a well known um, case, and has been further wow. studied by um, a former government um, worker, um, a scientist, and, go- and government official Stanton Friedman, who now lives in Maine, and he goes around lecturing about UFOs, and he's you know, he's totally convinced that, you know, that they're absolutely genuine and that, you know, of course, we're being visited and even infiltrated to some degree by visitors. And um, mm-hmm. then did a book um, about the, the abduction and um, used as his source of information Betty's niece, who has um, taken it upon herself to um, carry on, you know, Betty's message. Now, Betty didn't, you know, she didn't get off the bandwagon, you know, on the bandwagon. Neither Betty nor Barney went around, you know, necessarily becoming full-time UFO reporters. <laughs> she, right. And, and, you know, she kept her job at the welfare department, and he kept his job, but he died very mysteriously around 1970, only about nine years after the abduction. 
of some sort of, you know, un- mm-hmm. undetermined um, stomach ailment. And Betty says she thinks it might have been, you know, like a she, she had said, well, she, she passed away a few years ago, but she said that she thought it might have been an offshoot of um, the examinations that were given. So wow. that, that so happened here. And then in 1965 or so, there was another book written also, I think, by um, Fuller, called um, Incident at Exeter. There's a town called Exeter, C-E-X-E-T-E-R, mm-hmm. New Hampshire, over in the same area um, that Betty and Barney were from, not in the area where they saw the, mm-hmm. uh, where they had the experience. That was, that was um, further north. But there's a town over there, and for an entire week in, I think it was 1965, um, there were multiple, hundreds of UFO sightings by everybody, including the police chief and fire department, all sorts of officials, you know, so everybody ranging from average citizens to public officials, and that was investigated, and um, no determination was ever made that could um, debunk the reports whatsoever. So you have those two wow. you know, incidents, and then in 1979, the town of Washington, New Hampshire, which is only about uh, 14 miles from where I live, um, in the in the winter of 79 into early January, February of 1980, there were hundreds and hundreds of sightings in that town um, near some swamp land and near a lake, mm-hmm. um, and that made. Um, Does Bridgewater ring a bell? What's that? Bridgewater Triangle? Bridgewater Triangle? Is that um, the Bridgewater in Connecticut you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Or in New, New England. New England, yeah. Yeah, I have Up heard. by you. Yeah, and that, that, that was near me. Oh, and there was another incident which doesn't, we don't know if it's the government, um, you know, who knows, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to have any conclusive, you know, knowledge or evidence about the origins or the, you know, the where these um, are coming from. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's foolish for people to believe that, you know, of the zillions and zillions of, you know, orbs in in the heavens that we could be the only orb with living, you know, beings on it. It doesn't that that would right. be, that would be that would be more mysterious than the fact that there are people in other worlds. But there was there was <laughs> right. a little place called Wakefield, New Hampshire, which is really all these towns are fairly small, and mm-hmm. um, a farmer saw an object um, plunge out of the sky into his pond on his um, on his property back mm-hmm. in the 70s and uh, I think it was the mid 70s and 73 74 and he um, had people come in and the government came in and they cordoned the whole op- area off and they wouldn't even let him near it and they took some sort of object out and put it in a box and he didn't get to see what it was and they carried it away so obviously it didn't wow. fall off a um, commercial jetliner or anything it didn't call, fall off a plane um, so who right. knows what that was? Um, so this has been kind of an area in the past. Um, now it's more frequent that you know it's it shifted from the rural areas like New Hampshire and West Virginia and places like that where they've had high incidence mm-hmm. of um, sightings. Um, now the most um, trafficked places are um, metropolitan Colorado and Los Angeles, California. Hundreds and hundreds of sightings off the coast of California all the time. Really? It's one of the, wow. Yeah, it's one of the most prolific um, territories for sightings um, in, in the United, United States at this time, at least the ones that are being reported. 
So wow. um, I myself have um, seen some unusual things, um, not lately, but in the past. Um, when I was mm-hmm. about 19 years old, I, and I wasn't um, doing any drugs or anything like that, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> yeah. um, where I lived, my my um, grandparents had a um, maple sugaring business in the in the winter time. So my father had taken it over, and he was um, boiling the sap for maple syrup in the maple sugar house on very clear, cold February night in 1971. I was mm-hmm. with a friend, and we were standing outside the building. And we were looking up towards the house, which is up further in the driveway. And in the back is just a field and then trees. You know, mostly there are more trees here than anything, more trees than people. Right. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I was looking up in that direction, and the, and the moon was out. And the moon was over toward the east, I mean toward the west. And um, mm-hmm. up suddenly comes this silently, no sound, this white orb comes, I mean large white orb comes, rises up straight up out of the woods and comes up and then hovers in the sky for a minute and then shoots off um, diagonally towards the southwest and um, gone. And there was no sound. And the friend saw it and I saw it. And the friend said, don't tell anybody that I saw that because if you do, I'm going to to deny that I saw it. I said, well, why would you do that? You know what you just saw. And he said, I don't want to think about it. So it was obviously very frightening to this person. So um, that's just one of many instances of um, sightings that we've had around here. Neighbors um, have seen them. The man that used to do the rural postal delivery saw one. Um, this is all many years ago. But just, you know, the town I grew up in um, only had about 250, 300 people. And um, it's outside of a larger you know, um, small city that has about 25, 30,000 people. But, um, so you could call it a bedroom com- community, but it's up in the hills. Um, we, since, since I was um, a young person here, we've had a major population explosion. We have almost 750 people. <laughs> so um, there don't seem to be, doesn't seem to be as much, um, don't seem to be as many reports or as much activity Although in the past few years I have observed some some interesting things. You know, when I was out walking about a year ago, I saw um, a vehicle that went over toward. It looked like I thought it was just a plane going very slowly, and it went over toward the um, west, toward Vermont, toward the state of Vermont, and then it stopped and it reversed direction. Um, and when it came back, I could see that it had a funny row of lights, and it sort of stayed stationary in the sky for a little while, and then it took off toward the um, east. So that certainly wasn't a conventional plane. I don't pretend to know what it was. And then a couple of nights after that, I was out walking, and I saw um, some weird lights go by um, in the sky, and then two seconds later there were like um, some jets that came along one after the other um, in pursuit of whatever they were those lights were. So, not unusual around here. Are you there? Hello.
Hi. I'm sorry. I'm having difficulties. And that was kind of spooky when, um, you know, Steve said that his friend, Tim, said he would, you know, don't tell. Ooh, that was spooky. So, hold on. We are going to try and get him back on and finish this really interesting, intriguing conversation because he's such a great story. One, and number two, I really want to get this story told. We might have to. Hold on. Hello? Oh, this is spooky. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Wow. Okay, folks. If I cannot get him back on in the next few minutes, I'm going, we're going to have to reschedule this conversation because I really want to do this again because it's really a really interesting topic to really speak to someone who is, um, he has much more knowledge about this information than I do and, you know, he has first-hand accounts on seeing these folks. So I want to know what's going on here. Hello, Steve. Are you there? Oh, I'm here. Oh, my gosh. I got kicked off. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I was like, when it got to the point where you were saying, your friend said, if you tell someone, I will deny it, and then the call dropped. Oh, my gosh. Then wow. I, lost I kept you. talking because I thought I was on, and then I realized you weren't there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was like, saying that's spooky. That's a coincidence. Hey, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. Because, <laughs> you know, we got some static, and, and it sounded like somebody else was, you know, there was another voice talking, and then... You were gone. <laughs> I was gone. I got dropped from the I got dropped. They're like, no, we're going to the source. Drop her. <laughs> well, you know, are we, we're on the air, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, um, let, me, let me tell you something that you know, is interesting. I'm not trying to draw any correlations, but um, you, you ever heard of the, uh, the Mothman um, legend? Oh, Yeah. Well, the Mothman legend is supposedly linked um, to um, UFOs as well, uh, that, at least some of the people that live in. Mothman is a, is a um, creature that supposedly visited um, a town called Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is right on the Ohio-West Virginia border. And in 1966, there were many sightings of this creature called Mothman who had... Um, supposedly blazing red eyes and he had a wingspan and, and he looked sort of like a very, like a seven or eight foot tall moth is what they described mm-hmm. it. 
and it was a movie with Richard Gere done in about 2002, I think it was, called The Mothman Prophet. Yeah. And, yeah, I saw uh, that. Ooh, it was scary. And, and and it's based on an actual, you know, it, there's some actual truth to it. They fictionalized some of it, but um, there was a, mm-hmm. there's a bridge linking um, part um, part of Ohio and West Virginia called the Silver the Silver Point Bridge, I think it is, the Silver Bridge. Mm-hmm. And um, the Mothman appeared um, to many different people for a couple of weeks or, or a month prior to an incident just before Christmas where during rush hour the bridge collapsed and I think 30 mm-hmm. or 40 people drowned when their vehicles went into the river when the bridge collapsed. Yeah. And... Um, in the movie, of course, Richard Gere is a, plays a man who's um, somehow transported while he's driving. He's driving south, and he ends up in West Virginia. Doesn't even know how his car got there, you know, because he's mm-hmm. driving down the highway, and all of a sudden the highway signs say, you know, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and he, and he can't figure out, you know, why he's there, or he doesn't know he's there at first, but he finds out after he goes to um, somebody's door and the person greets him with a shotgun <laughs> and has him arrested. Um, anyway. Um, during the course of trying to figure out the mystery of how he teleported his whole car and himself to uh, West Virginia, he's staying in hotel rooms and he's being interviewed by the local you know, police and he keeps getting phone calls and this very strange mechanical voice comes on saying that, you know, and, and he, the, the idea is that the person on the, the being on the other end of the phone is, is some sort of alien. Um, and it sounds, sounds like science fiction except that there are real instances um, real reports uh, in the Mothman sightings that people received these kind of phone calls in West Virginia back at, in uh, in the 60s when that happened. Wow! So, so it's interesting that you know we're we're talking via phone here and the phone goes dead. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? And it's like I am kicked off. I am kicked off. Well, I, I don't want any. Mr. Mothman, please, I am not the one. <laughs> oh, I am so scary. All the conspiracy theorists out there are going to say the government did it, but you know, who knows, probably just weather conditions or something. Let's hope so, because I'm like, look, government, I don't, I don't have anything. You know, this is cool. This is interesting. Yeah, Listen in, but don't, having, don't scare me. Yeah, we're uh, talking about huh? having things that we've, it's things that you know that people have seen. We're not we're not doing anything controversial here, <laughs> right? Like it's all public knowledge. Yeah. So wow. as I was saying before, um, before I realized you weren't there. Yes, my friend mm-hmm. had denied. You know, said he would deny seeing it. And then I wanted to say that you know, other people in town here, back in that era, uh, back in the seventies, mainly had seen. Um, a number of things. A neighbor saw one hovering right above their house, uh, right above his mm-hmm. house. The rural um, um, newspaper deliverer back then, um, the news, newspaper man, um, had seen one in his field near his house. Um, and two sisters mm-hmm. that I went to high school with who live in the next town over, which is also a small rural town, um, back before the day of cable or of satellite dishes, they had um, antennas mm-hmm. up on the roof, and they right. were home alone one one night, and the television started acting really weird. So they went out to see if the if the antenna had fallen off the roof, which sometimes used to happen out here in the in the countryside a lot. 
And when they went out, there was a huge craft hovering over their house and scared them completely. They ran inside. Uh, the thing, you know, took off. Whatever it was left. But and, and unfortunately, the girl didn't want to talk about it. And people at the school actually picked on her. They actually ridiculed her. You know, um, really, kids are mean. Older, you know, oh, you know, have you seen any little green men? You know, that sort of thing. And you know, mm-hmm. she, she was telling the truth. This is what she actually saw. I mean, she wasn't making this up. So, uh, so wow. yeah, there were quite a, you know, there was quite a bit of activity back then around here. Um, so, why do you think that's that's the case? Why do you think that at that period of time, um, that was a fixed point for these visitations? Um, two things. I think that there are there are um, a lot of UFOs back in that day um, were reported around power lines, around you know um, lines that were carrying you know, electricity through the countryside. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of um, power lines here that run up through the woods, and um, that's a possibility that they're looking for um, some sort of power source. And also, at that point, um, the, there was a nuclear power plant being um, constructed not far away in Vernon, Vermont, which is only 18 miles from here. We're in, the, we're in the southwestern corner of this little state of New Hampshire, so that Massachusetts is right below us and Vermont is right beside us. But there's a, mm-hmm. there's a major um, called Vermont Yankee, which has been quite controversial. In fact, it's getting closed down because it's had you know, leaks and, and whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. Vermont Yankee was being constructed, and UFOs are often seen around nuclear power plants. And we had another nuclear power plant over um, called Seabrook, in a town called Seabrook, um, S-E-A-B-R-O-O-K. Um, and that was um, a source of controversy, too. And the protests, you know, a lot of protests were levied against the Seabrook nuclear power plant. Eventually that was closed down. Um, but um, I think maybe because of the power plants. And wow. That, so um, it was I, a I signal like a beacon. Know. And it was a very rural state. There, you know, there were no there were no major cities in the state at that point. Well, there still mm-hmm. aren't really any compared to New York or Boston or whatever, because um, the largest city in the state only has 100,000 people, which you know that's not that really that big. Um, so I think it was a you know, convenient place for them. And it's very hilly and has a lot of small mountains. So I think that, you know, it was a very convenient place for them to perhaps hide out or, you know, when they landed, that sort of thing. Right. But there was an incident a couple of years ago um, in Laconia, New Hampshire. Two teenagers mm-hmm. were making out in a car, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they were parked, and this red light came out of the sky toward them, and all of a sudden the car got lifted up about 10 feet off the ground. And then dropped really? suddenly, and it, you know, I guess it damaged the car and it hit the side of a curb when it dropped. And they were so scared, they went to the police um, station. And I saw fo- photos of the uh, the curb and, and of the damage to the car. Mm-hmm. And um, they kept their identities. Um, yeah, they didn't publish the identities of the two people because they were underage. Oh, because I. Yeah, and people would be on top of them like you couldn't believe, oh, yeah, like media and. Yeah. and and all the people who love to investigate UFOs and strange things like that. But that, but that, that was a, you know, something that happened maybe in the last three years. Um, so it's still taking place. But I, 
I think I mentioned before that the most prolific place right now seems to be Los Angeles. And a lot of oh, um, really? sorts of um, what they call USOs, un, you know, or, you know, unidentified submerged objects. That sounds weird to say that, but, of you know, no, but or going in and out of the ocean. Like, yeah, that seems like the new, um, I don't know what word to use, but, there's this movie called Pacific Rim where they yeah. you know they're yeah these alien beings like way beneath the surface and you know there these monsters come up and attack you know the Pacific Rim but yeah I've heard of that now for um anybody that in fact let me, let me look over here on my shelf yes I have I have Pacific Rim right here let's see what does it say on the back of the cover um, yes, when legions of monstrous alien creatures known as kaiju started rising from the mm-hmm. sea, a deadly war began. To combat them, humans devised massive robots called Jaegers as weapons, controlled simultaneously by two pilots, uh, one of whom is Ron Perlman, who was in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it's a it's a plausible, you know, sci-fi, you know, sort of like Transformers type of. Um, fair, but yeah, that's that's about aliens. And then there's dark skies. Now let me pull that one out. Dark skies, dark skies really um, epitomizes the. Uh, there it is. Let me pull this out. Dark skies epitomizes the the whole abduction phenomena. Dark skies came out last year, and it stars Carrie Russell um, and um, Josh Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. It's from the producers of Paranormal Activity, um, a supernatural thriller that follows a young family living in the suburbs as as a husband and wife, Daniel and Lucy, uh, Lacey Barrett, witness an escalating series of disturbing events involving their family. Their safe and peaceful home quickly unravels, and they're and they're really very. This is in a very suburban setting, so they're right next door to you know neighbors. When it becomes mm-hmm. clear that their family is being targeted by an unimaginable unimaginably terrifying and deadly force. Daniel and Lacey take matters in their own hands. This is a, a movie um, that didn't get as much um, fanfare as it probably should have. It's very well done. I saw it. Mm-hmm. I own a copy of it. I thought it was worth own, owning. It um, chronicles um, the alien abduction phenomena that's happening to this one family. And um, it is... Um, Really, really kind of, well, it, it's kind of scary, actually. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Um, because the, the now, aliens one seem to be targeting I... one of their, one of the, they have um, several children, and the oldest boy is the is the target, but they don't figure that out until later in the movie. Uh-oh, spoiler. <laughs> wow. Yeah, oops. But, but one thing um, I think is really interesting is that we are so used to not used to, but we're so fit in exploration, like the moon. We don't, we didn't find anything there, but who knows? Um, we're going, we went to Mars, and you know, we landed something around back pictures. But who knows if something's there? You know, what we consider alien life, you know, or what is not life to us may be life on another planet. Mhm. Mhm. And so when someone comes here, we're like, oh, my God, <laughs> why? But it's the same year. We're, we're trying to venture out. 
Well, of course, you know you know all the uh, the the, the um, what am I trying to say the the folklore tales about Area 51, which is supposedly an mm-hmm. area in Nevada where the government has um, actually captured you know um, spacecraft from other worlds and has actually um, supposedly stores bodies of aliens like aliens. Mm-hmm. equivalent to uh, the ones supposedly that were um, killed in, when they crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was um, um, Jesse Ventura, who was the former you know, World Federation oh, wrestler yeah. who became the governor of Minnesota. He had a show uh-huh. in which he, um, I, I don't think it's on anymore, but it was really interesting. He's a, he's a pretty interesting, you know, <laughs> quirky sort of individual. Yeah. But his Son, I think it was his. It was his son, and Oliver Stone, the filmmaker's son, and Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse himself went to Area 51 and wanted to infiltrate it. And I think that Oliver Stone's son actually walked past the uh, the line that said "Do not enter," and he went Ooh. down a little way and he came back. It showed it. On, they were filming this. And he came back and he said, I'm uh-huh. not going to even tell you what I saw down there. He, and, it, and I don't think he was doing this just for ratings for the show. Um, and I talked to a couple of uh, a scientists that actually worked in there, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, everything that is said about Area 51 is, is true and more. Mm-hmm. So, really? Uh, I think, and then, of course, Stevensville, Texas, um, a couple of years ago, my sister was dating a guy whose son was in the service, and there was a big, huge flap, and it made ABC News, you know, of UFO sightings over this town uh-huh. of Stevensville. Texas for a couple of nights in a row um, back in, I think, mm-hmm. 2008 or so. Um, and then, of course, you have the other phenomena with the Phoenix lights, where those lights appeared in an arc, little orbs appeared in an arc one by one over the city of Phoenix back in the late 90s. And that was never explained. They said, oh, yeah, it was the Maryland right. National Air, you know, Air, um, Air Guard Defense um, doing maneuvers. But that's not true. It was it was it was yeah. later debunked that they they did not they said they were balloons being set up by them sent up into the air by them or flares put up by um, the Maryland guard that was out um, practicing in you know it, well, number one why was the Maryland guard in Arizona they're not necessarily <laughs> what are we there? can't they practice in Maryland. <laughs> When I last looked on the map, Maryland was uh, in the uh, on the East Coast. <laughs> right. Like, no, we want to go to Nevada. So, Arizona. Um, this, in case anybody's interested, I mentioned that book about Betty and Barney Hill before, and I, I just pulled the mm-hmm. book out, so I'll give the name of it. It's called, <laughs> it's called Captured! Exclamation, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO yep. Experience um, by wow. Stanton, S-T-A-N-T-O-N, T. Friedman, F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N, and Kathleen Marden, who is the niece of uh, Betty Hill and trustee of her, her estate. She has, um, mm-hmm. Kathleen Marden was here in New Hampshire. She has all of the Hill's papers and correspondence, and for the past uh, over the past decade, she has served on the board of directors of the Mutual UFO Network. Now, that's something we should talk about, MUFON. M-U-F-O-N is Mutual U- UFO um, Network that... Um, tries to do legitimate investigations of sightings. Um, okay. They're the largest international UFO organization, and um, Kathleen Martin has actually served as director of field investigation training for MUFON. 
Uh, wow. So, and, and Stanton Friedman, the author of the book, is um, he's the best-known scientific ufologist, UFO studier in North America and probably the world. Mm-hmm. He was a nuclear physicist, worked on classified okay. fusion and fusion nuclear propulsion systems for space exploration for General Electric. And as a ufologist, he has lectured at more than 600 colleges in 50 states, nine provinces, and 18 countries. And he has co-authored so he the is a legitimate. He's legitimate. He co-authored the book, uh, the Roswell book, Crash at Corona, which is the actual town in New Mexico where the Roswell incident took place, and has appeared on TV documentaries on the History Channel, Sci-Fi, and so forth. He lives in Maine. So um, this is a legitimate scientist who has background in space exploration and nuclear. I've met him. He came to the local college, Keene State College, and he, he talked about mm-hmm. um, various um, cases that he has studied and written about. And, um, yeah, it says here, yeah, but Barney Hill died in 1969. Um, mm-hmm. In the book, if it says anything more about Barney's death, because it was really weird, you know. Um, let's see. We'll, we'll look up Hill Barney and see what it says. So I have a question for you. When when you saw this sighting, how did you feel and how did it make you feel from that day forward? Because it seems like an event like that would change your perspective on some things. Um, well, I can say this. When I, you know, that wasn't the only thing I ever, you know, that wasn't, I, I, I've had quite a few sightings um, in different mm. locations, most of them around the area. But um, when that happened, and that was probably the closest encounter, if you will. Um, I didn't see mm-hmm. one actually you know, land in, you know, out in the field, uh, and I didn't see any people come out, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I right, right. I, I really don't, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be anti-people from other worlds, but I don't want them just intrusively landing in my yard. But that was pretty yeah, close like, to our yard I because, see. you know, <laughs> as you look out the window, I mean, in the, uh, the room of the same house that the uh, orb came up from behind, and there's just a few trees, and then there's blueberry bushes, and then there's the woods. So we're really close to where it happened. And uh, interestingly yeah. enough, I was telling the neighbors, okay, back in 1971, um, this woman, Mrs. Sweet, lived there, and her husband, I think, invented the iron lung, and she um, later moved, but her oh. her son, um, who is now a, an elderly gentleman, Roger, and his wife lived there. So they, I was just mm-hmm. talking to them a couple of years ago, um, maybe two years ago, and I said, you know, I told them what I had seen, and I thought, said it came up out of the woods. I said, that, that would be on your property because we sold that land to them. And they said, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, there's an opening in those woods. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, if you're going deep into the woods, there's suddenly this little clearing where there's this little space that there's no trees are growing. And he said, and we found some very unusual um, objects there that we, we think might have fallen off a satellite you know, that the government sent up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't see these what? Bugs, but they said they, they but they have them at their house. So, oh um, so I thought, isn't that interesting? Because he didn't want to entertain the thought that it was, you know, a, you know, a, you know, alien right. craft. He said, oh, well, right. you, what you must have seen might have been, you know, a government vehicle. 
what I saw was an orb that didn't even look um, completely solid. It was totally luminous, and it wasn't swamp gas. Wow. And yeah. so it, it, you know, it wasn't, I didn't see a craft with windows. I saw a big ball of white light, really, you know, came, it, it rose up. And, it, and I thought, you know, I knew it wasn't the moon because the moon was already up in another direction, but it, it was actually brighter mm-hmm. than the moon. It was really, really Wow. Bright. And it was totally silent. It, it was funny. It was like the type of silence where it was like like a vacuum. Like there was, it was oh. like dead air. It was a very still wow. night. When that thing came up, it was like it moved, and you would have thought there would have been some sound created by the movement in, in the air. And yeah. There was, not, there was no sound, none. And that's, and, you know, even when something breaks through air, there's really, in our atmosphere, there's really no so- silence completely, like void right. of sound. It's almost as if the thing had, a, you know, like a vacuum around it because it, it it just evoked mm-hmm. this feeling of, it just didn't, I, you know, maybe I'm reading into it, but it didn't, It felt like it wasn't earthly. It just felt like it wow. wasn't an earthly phenomena. It wasn't, it obviously mm-hmm. wasn't an airplane or, it wasn't an airplane or a conventional craft of any kind. I, it just felt like it was not of, a, of earthly origin, but that's just a feeling. I don't know. Um, wow. When I was very, when I was very little, now, now comes the, uh, like um, lock me up on a kook and take me away in the straight jacket part. <laughs> but when I was really little, I had a series of dreams when I was about five years old. And this is, I was five mm-hmm. in 1957. So this was long mm-hmm. before, long before anybody was talking about aliens at all. There were, you know, there were a lot of mm-hmm. sci-fi movies in the 50s, but nobody, right. nobody was drawing pictures of aliens as little people with almond-shaped eyes. They weren't saying mm-hmm. gray and, you know, some of them say that you know the grays, the you know the, um, the different, right. different shades of um, alien. I guess you would say. Um, I had a dream that was recurrent for quite a while and terrified me. I was five years old. I lived in another part of I lived in a, another part of town. This town is split into two sections. We're up on the we're up in the hills here, but there's another part that goes down into the valley a little, and there's more um, more of a it looks a little more um, residential down there. Up here, it's very rural. The houses are spread out um, from one another. Down there, they're you know sort of suburban and next to each other. But it's not really sub- suburban. It's very still very rural. But there, the house I lived mm-hmm. in was right across the road from a um, a little river. And across the you know on the other side of the river was a, high, a major highway and a, and a general store over there. And there was a street light. And in the dream, I'd look out my window. It would be night. And I would see under the streetlight in the distance, I would see what looked like a little um, clown. And the clown, he, mm-hmm. bald, he had a bald head, and mm-hmm. he had these funny little little slanted eyes, and he didn't speak. I mean, he was far away. I couldn't hear him anyway. But, I mean, mm-hmm. And he would jump up and down under the streetlight, and in each dream, they were always identical. I knew that he would be able to somehow go from underneath the streetlight to my front porch in one instant, and then from the front porch he could come right through the wall into the house and, and grab me. Really? I had, this dream, I had this dream over and over and over and over and over, and I would wake up crying, you know, screaming every time I'd have it, and, and finally it stopped. But the funny thing was, a number of times when I had the dream, I would end up, um, I'd wake up and I'd be downstairs or I'd even be outdoors. And I didn't know how I got there. Like really? My mother, 
my mother thought I was sleepwalking. Wow. And I would not even want to venture that it was, you know, actually happening, not a dream. You know, but I think... Oh, my goodness. Kind of interesting, because I... I didn't have that idea planted in my head because there were no movies or no, um, there was no information being discussed in my home and people weren't openly talking about aliens the way they do now. And nobody used the term right. alien abduction. No one used that term. So no. it wasn't like as a five-year-old no. child I could have picked that up from somewhere. So right. I don't know what that, I don't know what that was. But in 19, I remember in 1963, my mother, who was a school nurse and, a, and an RN, was coming home from some kind of conference, and uh, it was summertime, and I was home, um, so I was up late because it was school vacation. And mm-hmm. my father went out, my mother came home, and, and my father came in and said, come out here, come out here. And he said, your mother got followed. And I went out, and I thought, what? And she said, oh, it's nothing, and she downplayed it. She just said a, a, a very strange plane, a plane with a very strange light, flew very low to her car and followed her all the way back from um, this other town about seven miles. Wow. And I thought, and my father was implying that, you know, it was something from up there. <laughs> so yeah. and my, mother, my mother's a very, um, you know, she's a very straight-laced, um, she, this was logical. a theological, church-going, this topic would not even you know, interest her. She'd never want to delve into it. So she kind of just dismissed it. But I remember that because my, my father was so dramatic and and yeah, it happened. So, so there you have wow. it. Wow, so you have really had your fair share of interaction. Yeah, I mean there's other incidents that, that you know, I could go into others but um, just suffice to say that all the sightings, I had one where I was driving along with a friend, I was driving the car and we felt, we we were just talking and suddenly, it was at night time, we suddenly felt weird, like like Mm -hmm. electrical, you know, like like if you had static electricity around you, and I just somehow instinctively looked up, you know, through the windshield, you know, up to the sky and Mm -hmm. there was this kind of triangular dark shape with three lights at the point. Um, and it went ahead of the. It was going over the car, and then it went ahead of the car. And um, yeah. found out. I, I did report that to the police, and then found out the next day because unfortunately that got in the newspaper. <laughs> the newspaper oh. in the police department and put it in the paper. But um, the former mayor of of that city, of, uh, well, Keene, which is near near us, um, had also reported mm-hmm. seeing one about 20 miles away. Right around. Oh my gosh. Just before, you know, or I mean, I think it was just after I reported mine. So um, that that also happened. So yeah, there's been a number number of them. So and and also, um, I think when I think about government aircraft and how they have become so um, stealth bombers have become, you know, and that's the word now, stealth and. Um, or it has always been a word. <laughs> but those stealth bombers, I'm like, I always wondered to myself, where did that design come from, you know? And the quickness and the way it can stop in, in midair. And, but there's certain aspects of it that are still very um, appropriate for 
us at this point in time in life, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of technically. Like, there, it's not possible because we don't, we don't even have access to some of the, the technology it would take. Right, right. But we have enough of it, mm-hmm. and it's come from somewhere. But where did we, you know, really get this technology from? Well, they they talk about, you know, um, the government. I, I can't think of the the term they use right now, but they talk about them um, having copied. You know, there's an actual technical term for doing that, where they've actually um, supposedly, like at Area 51 that we talked about before, where they've actually mm-hmm. taken some technology from those crafts and they've recreated it. And they say that a lot of, you know, the technology we have now was developed off of um, the alien technology that they discovered via Roswell and other um, crash sites. And then there well, it is, it is. you know, there's many on the, on the Internet. There's so many UFO groups, and some of them really are um, pretty far, uh, some, some of them are a little exaggerated, you know, and, and of course there are people that claim yeah, I did, there are I did people watching them. What's that? I did check out a couple, um, you know, some YouTube sites, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so, and some of them are like, you know, they're like, you must watch this. <laughs> yeah, some of them are it, really, like, really a little, a little, a little bizarre. And you get your bona fide ambulance chasers and and, and, and crazy people who don't have anything mm-hmm. else going in their life, so they have, want to feed off this drama. Um, and, you but know, there you are one or really... two I found really intriguing, like, ooh, you know, you get like a feeling. You get a feeling in your, the pit of your stomach that says, ooh, this is spooky. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, well, Steve, I, mean, I got my the... 92nd morning that oh, okay. our show is going to be over, but this was so amazing, and we've only scratched the surface. And I'm, you know, I still have that same feeling I got when you first talked about this and your experience and what you, and what you knew about this. I, I think we have more shows in this one. What do you think? I think, you know, I think there, there are many, many um, permutations on this topic that could be discussed for weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> <laughs> weeks and weeks. One could start a whole UFO show. <laughs> oh, yes, you could. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming on, and we'll talk in a little bit, okay? Okay, great. All right. Well, folks, I'm telling you, we had it was a weird one today. We had some quirky, quirky things happen. In, in terms of communication about this. But overall, I was really intrigued, and I want to know more. So um, I hope you do too. Okay, that's it. Bye. Welcome to You, the Best Invention Ever, featuring host Valencia Lyle Saunders, a show dedicated to inspiring you to invent something incredible, your life.
Yeah, I'm right here. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna call you back. What's that? On your I'm gonna I'm gonna up the okay, uh, and call you back on my cell phone. Okay, I'll hang up. Okay. Bye. <laughs>